And a very good morning to welcome into today's programme. full programme for you. We're going to uh, good news, by the way, for bus users in the Loch Ray area. We'll also be going to the RTE situation all in one on that one uh, today. We'll be looking at getting clarity in relation to a referendum and the referendum dates uh, from there. Uh, we'll be speaking with Senator Gerald Crockwell. Also on today's programme, uh, we're looking at um, fostering big ideas and keeping students indeed enthralled there. The farming community, they are not going to step back indeed from their protests. We'll be looking at that. Tractor protests will be ramped up uh, from there. David Connell joins us with the Connick Tribune headlines. We're looking at Ash Dieback with hours to protect and much more between now and 12 midday, including full details on our programme from Linan tomorrow morning. That and more between now and 12 midday. Good morning. Now, very good morning to welcome you into today's programme. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so. 086 38 33 553. If you want to get in contact with us, we would love to hear from you today. Now, then, let me go to my first guest today. He's got some very good news for us when it comes to uh, buses and the Loch Ray area. And I'm going to go to that in a moment, but he has to get on the train shortly. So I want to talk to him about that. And I want to talk to him about the RTE situation. Uh, because, as you know, they were in front of the committee yesterday. But uh, Deputy Kieran Cannon... Uh, joins you on the line today. Kieran. good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks. I know you're getting on the train now to drive, so thanks indeed for waiting with us until uh, we discuss this. I mean, I was watching the, some of the the information coming out of the Oireachtas Committee yesterday and the Media Committee yesterday, and I think an awful lot of people are shocked, including indeed some people within RTE and some of the payments that have been made. Yes, Keith, and it's really important to point out that there are many people within RTE, especially in the, the lower echelons of a very large organization that employs six, seven hundred people to find out that, you know, very senior executives who one could argue were at the center of a major mismanagement of the, of the station's funds uh, received very substantial exit packages um, upon departure. And this was revealed at the uh, media committee yesterday under pretty intense questioning, though I have to say, and I've been saying this for quite a long time, is the new chair, Shuani Rahali, and the new CEO, Kevin Backhurst. They have a really tough job. They're, they're essentially trying to re- reshape the culture of an organization whose culture had simply gone out of control. And they were, as best they could, and within, I would argue, very narrow legal confines yesterday, revealed to the committee members what exactly had happened in terms of those very substantial legs. We, you know, we were formed that the, the former chief financial officer received an exit package of €450,000. Um, that's just unacceptable. No, but one would hope. One would hope, Keith. One would hope that, and I think they need to be given a chance to be frank. Shuni Rahali and Kevin Backhurst. Um, that the very fact that these revelations are emerging now is a sign that Kevin Backhurst, in particular, is intent on getting to the bottom of all of what happened, um, reassuring people that that culture is changing and will change forever. Uh, and restore people's faith in our national broadcaster. That's ultimately Absolutely. his job, and I think, and I think he's totally committed to doing it. To be honest, but I have we have to put on the record as we talk about this that the RT chief financial officer Breed O'Keefe and that uh, payment of four hundred and fifty thousand, she did nothing wrong. That that, that was authorised at a very high level. Yes, it was. Keith. It was, and I've been saying this for quite a long time: is that the former board of RTE um, have a lot to answer for. Uh, those that oversaw, from a governance perspective, this serious mismanagement of public funds didn't have the necessary robust reporting mechanisms and processes in place to ensure that key financial decisions being made by our national broadcaster involving hundreds of thousands and, you know, in the case of the musical, substantially more than that, um, were not um, 
you know, elevated to the point where the board needed to have scrutiny on them and ultimately yeah. make a decision. So this was a completely dysfunctional organisation, um, and that dysfunctionality, uh, you know, emerged from the top. That's where it started. Not of the people who go in there every morning and try their best to do their job. Yeah. And we had a board that simply wasn't uh, carrying out the kind of scrutiny that it need that it was required to carry out. It's bordering on reckless. My my heart went out to Kevin Backhurst as I was looking at some of the uh, material coming in yesterday, and indeed to Annie Garland, uh, the chairperson, and others, including the girl in the, the, the lady. Her name escapes me from a HR point of view. It was pummeled indeed by some members of the committee, and rightly so, perhaps asking uh, the questions. But I, I just hope that those people surround themselves with good people. Uh, so when they get home at night time or wherever they rest at night time, that they can actually switch off because it is a very onerous task that those three and four people are dealing with on a daily basis. And my heart goes out to them because they didn't cause it. They didn't cause it, Keith. They're doing all that they can and more, I would argue, to solve it and ultimately to restore people's faith in our in broadcaster. Uh, this is crucially important to Ireland as a democracy, Ireland as a country. You know, Keith, I have a son living in Philadelphia, visiting right. him every now and again. I turn on, turn on the TV in his apartment, and depending on what station you're looking at, you get two completely different versions of essentially the same event or the same developments, perhaps, in, in Washington. And then you look at, at up to the top right-hand corner, you go, OK, now I understand why they're saying that. So, you know, they are finding it increasingly difficult to have... Um, a public service media mm. that they can trust. Balanced, so, yeah. Uh, uh, and, yeah, no balance, um, completely biased in terms of where it finds itself on the political spectrum. That's what's happening in the United States. The potential for that to happen here is also pres ever-present. So we need to protect public service, and not alone in RTE, but indeed your own station and, and our media board, in general, yeah, yeah. To, know, to know that when people turn on the radio in the morning, they can trust what they're hearing is completely accurate, well-informed, well-researched and unbiased. And that's the value of having uh, RTE and indeed all of our other public service broadcasters in place. Oh, no, it's crucial to the, to the functioning of our democracy. Uh, just very briefly, because I want to go on to the bus in a moment, um, and we'll be coming back to this later in the programme. But just in relation to compelling people who made decisions uh, to, to come in and, you know, compelling people to come in and say what, what exit package yeah. they got. And, like, who would have signed off on the, the former um, DG indeed? on her package or what is her package and we have others yeah. that have left since and I know they're very close to you and they're friends and all that but uh, family friends and all that but but I mean what package do they get I mean I think there's a lot to run on this and I think there's going to be an awful lot more from a committee point of view to run on this I mean the likes of Matty McGrand and Melda Munster and many of your, your colleagues in the media committee yesterday they asked all the relevant questions they did um, and this has to run, Keith, until such time as we can trust uh, that the culture within RTE has changed and changed forever. And that that's, to be fr frank, I don't see a huge amount of value in raking over the coals of the demise of the, the last RTE, if you want to call it that, the, 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 the controversial RTE. Um, only, that only serves one purpose to ensure that um, we can be certain that the kind of activities you describe will never happen again yeah. and that, that, the, that the, the robust reporting mechanisms are in place to ensure that it never happens again. So, um, you know, and Kevin Backhurst was at pains to point that out yesterday. I'm sure he'll do it again on numerous occasions over the next couple of years. He's a really tough task on his hands. 
I think he's up for it. Uh, and I think the level of transparency that he showed yesterday is indicative of that. So, yeah. um, I, I, to be frank, Keith, I just say, give them a chance. Give yeah. the new team a chance. They deserve that chance. They're inheriting an absolute mess and they deserve time and space to, to, to resolve it. And I would finish on this one by saying to the committee members, and I mean, the, the chair is absolutely brilliant. I mean, she's doing a fantastic job. She is. Um, she really is. But I would say give respect indeed to those that have shown up, the likes of Kevin Backhurst and others. Correct. That showed up, yeah. but show respect That's to them. Thing. He was Crucial. being challenged yesterday on stuff that he wasn't responsible for, and basically by some members of the committee was being accused of it. But he defended himself very well. But you have to show respect. They're brave enough to show up, so they are. Others have not been. Listen, before I let you get on that train, Nathan Wright, today and go choo-choo all the way for a day's work in Dublin. Um, great news coming in from uh, the Minister, indeed, for Transport in relation to bus services in Loch Ray. Yes, Keith. You know, we're all becoming very avid users of public transport and the people of Loch Ray deserve to have a public transport service that stands up to scrutiny, is as um, comprehensive as every other town. And right now, if you are from Loch Ray and you catch the bus to go away today, the last bus home you can get is at 6.30 in the evening. That's not acceptable. I've made the point on numerous occasions to the National Transport Authority, to the Minister and to his officials that that's not acceptable. If they are asking, and they are, uh, that people of Lockray should use the bus service more frequently, well, then they have to provide a reliable, trustworthy service. And up to this point, we don't have that. If you are that student, that nurse, that somebody just wants to go for a night out in their local city, the fact that you can't get a bus after 6.30 in the evening back to Lockray is ridiculous. So... Um, the minister wrote to me yesterday, um, acknowledged that, acknowledged there was a shortcoming in the service and said it is now a priority for the National Transport Authority to fix it. So they're going to fix it under a thing called the Connecting Ireland Project, which essentially is the government funding the vacuums or the, the spaces in our public transport system around the country. And the NTA are now looking at a solution for that. So And they, and they are making it a priority, as they should. Uh, gonna, I'm going to keep engaging with Anne Graham, the CEO of the NTA, with Minister Raymond Ryan until such time as that service is in place. Because I'm convinced, Keith, we could, we could, uh, an awful lot more people would use what is during the day um, a, a relatively good service, but they would use it much more extensively if they could be guaranteed they'd find a way home in the evening from Galway, which currently isn't available to them. Absolutely. When do you reckon will this kick in, by the way? I would say within the next two to three months. And, I, and that, that, that's what, when people use the phrase priority uh, in the public services, um, two to three months is, is usually indicative of what they're talking about. So, um, And it, ultimately, it'll be the NTA stepping in and either fully funding or co-funding a service. So uh, that's what needs to happen, Keith, and it needs to happen as quickly as possible. All right, uh, Deputy Kieran Cannon, thank you for joining us uh, today. Keith, uh, you're the only person who has showed any concern whatsoever for some of the people from RTE being questioned yesterday. I fully agree with you. They must be having a lot of sleepless nights, regardless of how capable they are. He's just in such an onerous position, Kevin Backhurst and Tony Garland and uh, some of the other team that really put their neck on the line yesterday. Uh, they went in there voluntarily, so that's my, my point there. And I've often been in scrapes myself, and you, it's a lonely enough spot now, not in any scrape like they're stuck in, uh, but it's um, a lonely spot for them. And he's not getting, he, his, his pay is, uh, his salary, excuse me, his salary is in the open domain, and on day one he put a salary out there, and I'd say he would be cu currently maybe number 20 on the, the best paid list in RTE, uh, so that's what I'm saying. He's a human being as well. I mean, he could actually walk away in the morning. But Kieran is right, though. What we need is 
good governance and the people who have been hurt by this to, to help them just to get back on the horse again because we need RTE. We need everything that they do. We need the people within RTE and we need Kevin Backhurst to put and I suppose I'll get pilloried for it but we need Kevin Backhurst to put RTE where it needs to be and the golden child that it was um, in a solid financial setting which is vitally important uh, moving forward. So yeah, I would when I look at stuff like that, maybe it's the, the head that I have, I look at the hurt that's been caused to those that are trying to fix it. You know, that's that's where the hurt is and there's a huge amount of hurt there for them and um, certainly some of the treatment I saw yesterday and rightly so in a way uh, some, some of the members uh, but if I was in the same position I'd say hang on a second lads, back up here, show a bit of respect I'm here voluntarily I'm here to try and fix this on behalf of you ye and the committee and the state and otherwise but back up give me a little bit of space to do this that's what I do but then that's me now a lot of comments coming in today by the way just in relation to RTE and uh, somebody saying you cannot uh, trust RTE they're reporting of Donald Trump is very biased they have three Democrats and two Republicans and RTE are not balanced fair or truthful anyone who defends uh, RTE should not be on air uh, you should be ashamed of yourself I'm, I'm very proud of myself proud of life and proud of myself and proud of where I am and um, so three Democrats and two Republicans so you're kind of and I suppose then if you kind of walk today in the shoes of the people that are doing what they're doing or what we do here on a daily basis you don't understand uh, that you do your best to balance everything as they do too by the way and anyone who defends RTE should not be on air you should be ashamed of yourself I'm not defending RTE I'm defending Kevin Backhurst uh, the chair and those that are trying to rectify it not those that caused it. There'll be no bus service from Belly Keneally to Galway City. Why did it stop? It's all your fault. So look at lads. Blame me for anything you want. I'll take it. I'll be gone. I'll be gone in April. So you can blame me for what you... You can throw anything you want at me. You can blame me for everything. Listen, let me go to Senator Jared Crockwell who joins me on the line because he's looking for clarity needed and a choice of referendum. In the Irish Times this week, an article revealed that the Supreme Court is scheduled to hear a case on the 11th of April in which the mother of a child with Down syndrome, epilepsy and borderline autism, which is a handful, is set to overturn a High Court decision rejecting her claim to a full carer's allowance without means test by reason of her partner and the father of the child having weekly earnings which deny her a full non-contributed carer's allowance. Uh, Senator Crockwell has this uh, today for us. Senator Crockwell, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith, and good morning to everybody in Galway. Thanks for joining us uh, today on the programme. Why does this call into um, your, your call for clarity in relation to the referendum date? Do you think that this case on the 11th of April uh, could affect everything? Well, the, the bottom line on it is if the referendum passed on the 8th of March, then the lady who has taken the case that's scheduled to be heard in the Supreme Court, uh, a case of... Uh, uh, systematic uh, importance to carers throughout the country, that case falls because the, that uh, part of the Constitution no longer exists. We're talking about the part of the Constitution that says the mother who cares in the home should not be forced out of the home to work uh, for economic circumstances. This woman needs to be at home to look after her child who's Down syndrome, autistic, and from what we read, uh, quite a handful to deal with. Mm. And she is 
using Article 41.2, uh, which says that she shouldn't, for economic reasons, have to leave the home. Now, her husband has an income, but uh, many families in this country, and your listeners in Galway will be very well aware of this, many fam- families in this country require two incomes just to, just to survive. Um, so um, uh, the Supreme Court would be the final arbiter of this particular uh, issue. But if the referenda passes on the 8th of March or, or the count on the 9th of March, then that's it. That uh, article no longer applies and the Supreme Court no longer have to hear the case. So do we pause the referendum or do we um, expedite the court case? There's a good bit to go between now and the 8th, 9th of December of uh, March. Uh, there's about three weeks left in it, so I think. Yeah. Um, uh, my, own, my own view is, um, uh, and it is the view, uh, Funnily enough, only a few independent uh, members of the House of the Oireachtas. Uh, our view is very simple, that the wording of both the 39th and 40th Amendment of the Constitution are both deeply flawed and they should be rejected. Uh, the the notion that I, I fully understand and the people are quite um, exercised about the wording of 41.2 in the current constitution which which, uh, deals with women in the home and it is rather archaic language. We should have amended that and we should have said uh, mothers, fathers and carers uh, of any type in the home should should not have to leave the home for economic circumstances. We could have done that. Instead of that we have brought in uh, a, a number of amendments here, Keith, which, for example, the one on durable relationships. The the durable relationships, the proposed new Article 41.1 deals with marriage and a durable relationship and regards both of them as equal. But when we go down to 41.1.3, we find that marriage is protected by the state and the state will use all of its resources to uh, defend the institution of marriage. Well, reference whatsoever to durable relationships and indeed the Taoiseach when asked in the dial about durable relationships he said there are different types so therefore it will fall to anybody in a durable relationship to go to the courts should they uh, split up with their partner or should the partner die it's going to be it's going to be determined by the courts in that and I think this is where I mean the government were in fairness and I, I don't care what anybody says either was the government um, but the government were trying to get this done this year so they were just to, to get to get it done they did have difficulty getting the wording together and I think they rushed it and I think they may regret that but they're big enough and bold enough to take the the, the result of that what I would be concerned about is the the lady in question whose case is on the 11th of April and uh, it's a Thursday, um, but it's on the 11th of April. Um, if that article is not there, that case falls, and uh, she again just has to start from scratch. Well, she has nothing to start from if that falls, because we no, she'll have to find another eliminate. She'll find have to find another aspect well, of legislation uh, to challenge the government on this one. Well, what she what she would have to rely on there is. 42b and article 42b says that the state will strive um, to uh, assist carers well this woman is a carer and the state is striving using its entire might of the department of social protection 
to challenge her the whole way to the Supreme Court for a miserable carer's allowance. Um, I, I, I think it, we have seen how the state strives in the past with many, many uh, high-profile cases that went through the courts, including Bridget McCall and Vicky Field and various other people. Um, it, she will lose the protection that is in the Constitution and all mothers who are carers. And let's face it, 97% of carers in the country are female and mothers. And they will lose, uh, they will each have to fight in their own way. And let's be honest about this. This protection uh, saved mothers in 2015 when Joan Burton moved 40,000 mothers of the one-parent family allowance and forced anybody who had a child of seven years or older to seek job seekers allowance rather than care. So uh, the state can be quite cruel to a person who's dealing with um, a disabled child or who's dealing with children uh, uh, per se. So can I ask you a question then, the, the, another way around, um, Senator Gerard Crockwell, if you don't mind. So if it's a thing that um, this is not, the, the, the referendum goes through and if it's a yes, yes vote and uh, that people are predicting or if it's a no, no vote, is there anything there that will protect the carers? Because what I'm looking at a screen here is Good to hear the conversation um, in relation to uh, carers and the referendum. The state treats carers really badly. The world strive gets them off the hook, though. So is there anything in a yes-yes, particularly if it goes yes-yes, that will protect the carers like this lady is looking for? I'm afraid not. I'm afraid there's absolutely nothing. The wording of 42B, which has incidentally been placed in the section of the Constitution uh, that deals with fundamental rights, it has the word, as you rightly point out, Keith, it has the word strive. What Strive means they will endeavour. What does that mean? It means they will try. If they fail, how do you prove that they didn't strive? What, what is the benchmark for strive? What is the legal interpretation of the word strive? Uh, and I'm afraid there's nothing there for carers, absolutely nothing. And I, I note down in County Clare today, um, some uh, disabled people and carers together on a Zoom call um, to uh, advocate against passing the 40th uh, Amendment to the referendum. Strive, I'm looking at it here, so I am, in the dictionary. Uh, Strive means making great efforts to achieve or obtain something. National movements were striving for independence. We must strive to secure steady growth. And it's also referred to as struggle or fight vigorously. So in other words, basically what you're saying is 100% correct. They're going to have to make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. So this lady and other carers out there are going to be left fighting. Absolutely. Really I mean, the, the, the fact that we're talking today, Keith, about a woman with a, a Down syndrome autistic child having to go to the High Court and from there to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court thought so highly of this case that they allowed it to leapfrog the Court of Appeal. Uh, for that to happen, it is, it's got to be a really uh, seismic issue for the Supreme Court to take and it on like the, that. The, and that is precisely what has happened. Let the Supreme Court then bring it back and get it done in the next 10, 10, 10 days or next 21 days. Uh, Central Crockwell, thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, today on the programme. Uh, were you in the House yesterday, by the way, when that committee meeting in RT was going on? 
Uh, I, I wasn't in the, the particular committee meeting, but I'm certainly in the House, and the House is uh, completely and utterly shocked. I Just on that, Keith, as I was coming in, I heard you speak uh, about you weren't defending what had happened. You were defending the current incumbent, uh, Brockhurst and, and uh, the chair, who are trying to resolve the issue. And you're 100% correct. Uh, and you, we've got to talk about RTE and we've got to talk about the, the good things that are trying to be done there now. Uh, and I know that you're as outraged as I am about the money that has been squandered and everybody else in the country. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's clean up the act and and maybe we will see uh, greater uh, care for local media as well coming out when we come with a new licence format. Yeah, no, so no. let's not turn on you. Let's turn on the, on the bad guys. Yeah, and you have to, I mean, I have to clarify, I mean, the payment which was announced yesterday for the former Chief of Finance, CFO, um, she did nothing wrong, it was given, it was authorised by somebody in a, in a higher position. So, I mean, I think all of this has to be done, but I, I don't know Kevin Backhurst, I haven't met the man, I don't know the man except for the reputation that he's had and people speak very highly of him and those that have worked with him speak very highly of him. He has to be respected and given a chance to try and turn the ship around and get it stabilised again. That's what he has to do. Senator Crockwell, thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. Some of the comments uh, coming in today, uh, this caller said, Keith, ignore that ignorant comment. You have sympathy for people because you're a good person with a kind heart. I'd like to think I was. Uh, Who will be missed in April? And uh, I agree, some of your, uh, some of the questioning yesterday was a bit difficult to listen to and uh, very hard to um, put up with that from there. Another caller said to us uh, today, Keith, the Euroxis Committee is yet another waste of taxpayers' money. It's not legally binding, so no proper criminal proceedings will take place. And this was misappropriation of public money and should be dealt with as fraud. RT is not unbiased and we should uh, let people decide. Uh, do we save it or do we let it go? People will never trust it again. Keith, Kevin Backhurst is on 250000 per year and 25000 to euro car. And nothing has changed. I'm awful sorry about that, but for 250,000, what he's taken is a lot. Well, first off, it's a lot of money. You're dead right there. Uh, Keith, has anybody checked uh, to see if D Forbes had a six cert? Uh, she should come before the committee and answer the questions. And again, she's a human being with rights, but she would have uh, certainly uh, a lot of, um, she'd have a lot of information that could perhaps facilitate. Um, Mr. Backhurst getting uh, getting the, the answers that he needs uh, from there. Anyway, let's uh, take a short commercial break. It's 9.39. Where has that 39 minutes gone to? Please. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's uh, programme. Some of the comments coming in. I'm a shopkeeper. I don't understand this comment, by the way. It came in by phone today. I'm a shopkeeper and we're getting a lot of hassle from people distributing newspapers. Is anybody else having this problem? What, what, what hassle are you getting? I mean, the people who deliver newspapers on a daily basis, and I know most of them, and they're lovely people. So who's causing the problem? Call us back and let us know, please, to uh, 091 Do you realise what the carers go through? Absolutely. And my heart goes out to the lady who has to take that court case, by the way, as well. And uh, I know a lot about caring. We cared for a long time ourselves. Um, so, yes, my heart goes out to all carers out there. And uh, not an easy job. And a very lonely job at times as well, I have to say. If the government stopped wasting money, flying privately, etc., we would have a lot more money, and yet we are working to provide this for them. And uh, This is absolutely shocking. That poor lady needs help to provide for her child, uh, the caller says today, and other calls coming in there too. 
I'll tell you now. Quite a few people agreeing with me in relation to giving uh, Kevin Backhurst a, a shot at it. Let me go to Neve Cooney, who's Head of Development and Sustainability, uh, with the big idea. And Ireland must foster creative thinking in students or fall behind, says the big idea as well. But Neve uh, joins me on the line. Neve, morning to you. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm very good. Thank you indeed for joining. You're from Galway, Neve. Is that true? I am. I am. Yeah, born and bred. So went to school and college in Galway. And I'm very lucky to live a bit of a nomadic life at the moment as I'm remote working. But um, yeah, Galway is always the base. And nomad, and where where isn't when you say nomadic life? Don't tell me you now on somewhere nice sunshine coming down the top. You now in the event this early morning, I'm looking at rain out here. No, unfortunately, not at the moment. I'm That's, in Dublin. I will. Dublin at the moment, so it's it's as grey up here. I promise you. <laughs> what is the big idea? Yeah, so I'll give you a bit of a kind of our why first, and um, just put it in context. So, look. I know, you know, everyone knows that young people are, they're really struggling these days. You know, industry and society are changing so rapidly. On top of that, they're inheriting some of the biggest issues and uncertainties that, you know, the world has ever faced. We're talking climate change, hidden poverty, mental health, AI, so much more. And they're just not being equipped with the skills they need. You know, we're seeing a lot of research that the gap between the skills they learn versus the skills they need is actually becoming wider. And that's a big idea. We're on a mission to tackle this. We want to empower every young person to thrive in life through skills-based empowerment and industry connection. So we do this through our free award-winning hybrid classroom-taught programs and our own EdTech platform. So we connect 15 to 19-year-olds all across Ireland with a really diverse range of industry professionals who support them online to gain confidence, to innovate solutions to co-created challenges around the UN SDGs, and of course, to learn some of the most in-demand skills in the world, which are creative skills. And we're talking skills like resilience, adaptability, empathy, critical thinking, problem solving, and communication. So we are three years young, as we like to say. So since 2021, We've supported over 10,000 students, and that's including those on our program now. And we've worked with close to 1,000 professionals from hundreds of companies across Ireland and beyond, um, and supporting students prominently in transition year, in Leaving Search Applied, in youth reach and CT centres, and schools in Northern Ireland, and always with a focus. Sorry. Yeah. So is it. That's you in a nutshell, but I, I like the concept. Is it like a Big Brother situation where. They're there to support them and give them the confidence and and to give them the information that perhaps will change the course of life that those young people take. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a number of hybrid programs. So we teachers from any subject can take this plug and play program, teach it in their classroom and then connect with us through the EdTech platform. And then we connect student teams with about five to six mentors who support them at different points throughout the program on the platform. And that's helping them come up with solutions, you know, to some big issues. So this year, students have chosen to tackle climate change, mental health, um, diversity and inclusion, cost of living and AI. They're big stressors for them. And the whole idea of this is to give them the skills they need, you know, give them that industry connection so they can see the skills in real life, but also get that support to come up with solutions. It's really empowering. It's it's absolutely incredible to see. So, you know, we've, as I said, we've 100% of students through the program have gained new skills that are really crucial for their future, but they're really highly sought after by companies as well. But it's, it's so much more than that. So, you know, we're seeing what happens when you give students 
this equal access to skills and opportunities and they are thriving. We've okay. seen nonverbal students take on leadership roles, you know, then leave their counties, go up and pitch on stage in front of loads of people. You know, students from all learning abilities coming up with really high potential ideas that could significantly impact their communities and whole classes shift their mindsets from, you know, I can't do that to why not? Why couldn't I? Why can't I be the person who does it? So, yeah, it's, it's having an incredible impact on young people across the country. And because you're three years young, can you give me a practical example without giving me a name of anybody? But can you give me a practical example of one of the more, um, I know it's only three years, but a, a success that has been achieved? Yeah, so I guess that that story. Um, so we run our program in youth reach. So the program supports all students from all backgrounds. Um, but we've had really great success with some of our youth reach students who are young people from a variety of different backgrounds who are at risk of falling out of the system completely. Mm-hmm. And that's that class, for example, was that class. It was, you know, a group of young people who came from really disadvantaged backgrounds, had a lot of issues. They weren't even talking to each other. Some of them were nonverbal. And they came together and decided to tackle um, mental health. And they came up with this incredible app um, that they went and they actually spoke to a brewery company in their local community. So the idea was that there would be a QR code on beer mats. So when you're in the pub, you're at your lowest. It was very much targeted at men, men's mental health, that you can get instant access to supports. So they created this idea. They won the mental health category. This was competing, you know, yeah. For us, the program is about students engaging in it, but they blew the judges away. And then they came up to Dublin and for a group of students who, you know, wouldn't even get on camera at all, got up on stage, pitched in front of nearly 100 people to three industry judges. And they're really determined to do something, you know, with this idea. So it's for us, it's an incredible success story of, you know, young people gaining confidence you know, learning that failure is really essential, you know, collaboration, communication, and just having that confidence in themselves and an idea that could potentially change, you know, the society we're living in. So it just, for me, like getting to see these, it's, I know that the future is safe. We have a lot of work to do, but, you know, it's it's fantastic to see it, to see it happen. And is there adequate information out there for, I take it we're talking secondary schools here now, but is there adequate information out there yep. for all the secondary schools in the city and the county that may be on, on midterm break or otherwise they might say, God, we should really try and bring that into our school? Absolutely. So we had three schools in Galway in 2022. We've actually got six schools registered this year. All the information is on our website, which is thebigidea.ie. And we're signing up schools for... Um, September, well, you can register your interest for September this year or January 2025. And also big shout out to any companies or individuals in Galway who, you know, want to support these schools. We've got great mentors who support um, students all over the country who are based in Galway from companies like Aerogen, Salesforce, Finios, Nostra, we've had Genesis in the past. But I would love to see more companies in Galway coming on board and, you know, working with us to support students, not just in Galway, but all over the country and be kind of part of what we're doing. It's great. Absolutely. We love mentor teams. Yeah, perhaps yeah. I like the Kenny Deer, who's all over the med tech and everything, indeed, and Platform 94 yeah. and the Porter Shed and Porter Shed 
Hainog is a dog, is a three, is a car. I don't know how many more of them he has uh, himself I and know. Mary and the crew down there. But he, they would, they would have the ear of all of those people. So maybe Galway Chamber and Absolutely. Kenny Deering is the one that you should be chatting to on that one. Listen, well done to you. Thank you oh, indeed uh, for that. joining us. It's it's an exciting time for young people, and I. There's one thing, and we see it here because we would, we in the past we've taken in um, trans- transitioning your students indeed, just to come in for a few days, yeah. they apply to come in, they get in and all that, and they come in very shy, meek and meagre people, and there's one young lady indeed that comes to mind, uh, but she came in very meek and meagre and really didn't want to be here looking at a fellow with me with grey yeah. hair and looking at the other fellow, the Mayo <laughs> fellow, said the window uh, producing, but didn't want to be here. But all of a sudden got bitten by the bug and said, wow, never realised this was such fun. And left and actually presented on air as well, but left with an air of confidence about her. And I just love to see young people with confidence. That is absolutely incredible. And that's exactly it. You know, we're seeing that that exposure to kind of all the companies and mentors that we work with, like it's online mentoring, but they they go online, they see who all the mentors are, they talk about them, like oh, Mary just said this and John said this. And the biggest, I think one of the biggest bonuses, you know, for me is that these young people are, it's changing, yeah, you know, the, the pathways that they might take. They're finding all these opportunities that they never even knew about or thought weren't accessible to them. Yeah. And all it's taking is one person saying, do you know what? These skills, you can take them anywhere. You're going to use them for everything you do in life. And why can't you work in a company like I do? And it's that moment for them being like, yeah, why can't I? Actually, somebody outside my family or my school has said, I can. So it's incredible. Neve Cooney, Head of Development and Sustainability with The Big Idea. Just go to The Big Idea website and get further details. And again, uh, keep in contact with us, Neve, but uh, keep up the good work that you're doing. I just, I love, I love that type of work. Uh, so I do. Any Keith, uh, this uh, caller said, uh, when people have civil servant pensions, which exceeds the average industrial wage, there is something radically wrong with our society. Oh, I was given a story about that this morning that I'm not going into. I'll go into it next week with you. By the way, good morning to all the post um, the post people out there, men and women, uh, that do a wonderful job on a daily basis and an integral part of the community. And it came back to me recently that Saturday week there, uh, our former postman, John Kane, who's living in Gort now, uh, popped into the village to, to uh, have a cup of tea in a few of the houses. But it was great to see him coming back like he's retired, he doesn't have to. He and his wife Mary could be in the Bahamas, and maybe they are this morning. I don't know, uh, but they could be anywhere. Uh, but the work that the, the post men and women do right across the uh, county needs to be recognised in some way because they're out in all sorts of weather. Uh, but John had was he was twenty years servicing our village and surrounding villages as well. Uh, but on the Saturday week, he popped in, and um, we had a cup of tea. Well, he don't he wouldn't even have a cup of tea, and he'd have nothing stronger because he was driving. But he just spoke so fondly about the people in the village and people who got married and died and all that type of stuff. Uh, but it kind of brought brought into my mind, we need to recognise the post people, men and women out there, that do this on a daily basis. Drop in the stuff into us here. They drop it into our homes. Uh, they're going to be awfully busy with referendum material now being dropped. And, and just spare them a thought. Maybe cut them some slack. You know, don't be trying to get ahead of them on the road and don't be beeping at them if they're blocking something or if they're on a bike, just cut them some slack. And if John is listening to us, uh, uh, you can, should call again, John. And uh, he said he's uh, after the, he's he's glad that I'm going, he said, so he can listen to somebody nice in Galway Bay FM. He was only joking. Bit of fun. Listen, let's head towards the 10 o'clock news. And thank you to all the post people out there uh, for delivering what you do.